Hello? This is Karen at the Quickie Stop, calling about your overdue tapes. Psycho, Halloween, Friday the 13th, and Showgirls um, are now 347 days overdue. Please call us or return them before we have to charge your card. What? No, I'm on the phone. Don't make me call this guy again. No, I'm not creepy. This guy's creepy. This is fun. Casey, White Bat Audio. Thanks for your track. That was called The Witch. Okay, so we're particularly amped. I'm Case. This is Carrie. Welcome to episode three of Dying for Midnight, aka DFM. We're quirky. We're quippy. And we are awkward. It just gets worse from here on, folks. Listen, whoever you are, whatever your background, we're all here at Dying for Midnight because of our love to discuss all things horror. Let's exhale a bit and settle in. For fully uncut extended episodes, check us out on Apple Podcasts and then Patreon for additional community benefits. Listen, Horror Hounds, if you're at home or in your car, join us as we begin our first segment, Comfy Horror Movie Review. This week in Episode 3, we kick off our anticipation of the release of Scream 6. We're going to cover the original... Scream 2 and Scream 3. Episode 4 will cover Scream 4 and 5. Then, Carrie, episode 6, we are going to take the kids to go see Scream 6. Opening weekend. I already was geeking out and checking our local theater if the online tickets were available. And while I doubt they're going to sell out at the time we're going to see it, I still, I want those tickets in hand. It's all a part of it. Let's go right in. Comfy horror movie review. Carrie, why are we comfy this episode? What are you, what is this combination <laughs> that you have on? It's the, it's the dreaded purple robe as the kids or the, my daughter and I call it. I'm very cold. So when I'm cold, it's either a sweatshirt or it's my purple robe. It is cold down here in the DFM vault, folks. I cannot disagree with that. Did you already, wait, did you say what was underneath it? No. You opened that up like you were a superwoman. (laughs) Um, There is a shirt on underneath, folks. Yes, I'm wearing my Michael Myers Halloween t-shirt. Isn't that a Freight Rag shirt? I thought that was like a Freight Rag special edition. Let's look at the tag. Do I have to get up and come over there? You can't look. You don't have eyes on there. Okay. Yes. Oh. It is. I thought I remember ordering that from Freight Rags. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a long time, so okay, I can't remember. Okay, so we're getting off track again already. Out the gate, we're off track. We promised after the first two episodes, we said no more 75 to 90 minute episodes. Ah. <laughs> uh, I think we're going to fail miserably (laughs) at that. Unfortunately, we're going to try to keep it. So, if you guys are starting to understand what I'm all about when it comes to being cozy, I am wearing yet another flannel, and that will never, ever change so long as I'm alive. I might need to be 
buried in a flannel. Um, or if I am cremated, lay one over my urn at all times. You know, I'm a little crabby. This is Super Bowl weekend coming up. I really want some pizza, some wings. I'm just saying my body doesn't respond well to carb folks, but uh, it's a sacrifice I'm willing to make from time to time. So we're gonna go right in to the first segment here, or the segment underneath the first segment. What would that be? It's not a chapter, a section. It's a okay? sub-segment. It's a sub-segment. Okay, we're, we're going to really butcher this now, people. Okay, we wanted to change up the format a little bit for screen one through three, and we're going to change it up again for episode four, screen four and five. What do you think of if you are a millennial or a Gen Xer or, or horror fans of any age, when you think of the era, the slasher resurgence, we're going to have a word here first on the slasher resurgence. That was horror revitalization, or as I like to call the wonder years or the West Craven years. Some people say, a matter of fact, I'm going to go on a limb and say most people say that the slasher resurgence started with Scream. I disagree with that. I'm going slightly before that to give the man, Wes Craven, his due. It didn't start in 1996 in my humble opinion. It started in 1994. We're gonna go all the way back and all the way forward. One decade, not just four years, 94 to 2004, these were the Wes Craven years. So what movie came before Scream that started the slasher resurgence? New Nightmare. It still started with Wes Craven himself. You've gotta include, I know what you did, you've gotta include urban legends. You've gotta stretch it a bit further. It didn't just end with some of the little slasher offshoots. You had Valentine, and I swear my brain is telling me Joey Lawrence was in that, or related, maybe it was the Valentine sequel. Help me out here, folks. Let us know where I'm wrong. You've gotta mention the very lovable Justin Long, Jeepers Creepers. And we love Justin Long in horror movies. Yes. Is Jeepers Creepers a slasher? Mm, not really, maybe. <sighs> Labels don't matter a whole lot here. Okay, but it was a horror revitalization. Jeepers Creepers, if you think about it, had some slasher elements to it. Scary movie. The best form of flattery is, is if somebody does a parody. They were doing those well into the 2000s. How many scary movies were there? There was at least four. Was there six or ten even? I don't know. It's up there. I know this next one might hit a nerve with people. Halloween Resurrection. The remake started creeping in towards the end. The Texas Chainsaw remake. We had Freddy vs. Jason. And I think it died. I think this era died with Club Dread. I think starting in 04, it was dead. Saw came in and the torture era. The gore amped up. The kills became more complicated. One thing to know, Dawn of the Dead 04 stood out. I think that Saw and that movie stamped the death of the slasher resurgence. We're going to go into more detail in the next episode as to why we think Scream 4 came out about five to seven years too late. The slasher resurgence could have lasted a little bit longer. Back then, you had top TV and movie talent wanting to be in Scream movies. Think Entertainment Magazine, MTV Awards. All the talent was in other popular teen movies and shows. It featured the next group that came after the Brad Pack of the 80s. We're gonna go on to our next segment right away. Scream one through three, casting, 
as it relates to the slasher resurgence. What type of casting approach helped to launch the resurgence? We live in the day of streaming. Before that, in between the VHS video craze and the golden era of slashers, the late 70s and 80s, and now streaming easier access, prime time television was the biggest thing. So you had one of the top shows in all of TV. TV was huge. You had arguably the second most popular character on the second biggest show in all of television. Okay, you all know what show I'm talking about and you know who I'm talking about. Courtney Cox on Friends. Really only a half a step below and I would say oftentimes equal to Jennifer Aniston at its height. Courtney Cox had been around much longer at that point than Jennifer Aniston. We all remember Dancing in the Dark video. Does anybody, can anybody explain to me how she got into that video with Bruce Springsteen? Carrie, do you know? No, but I know she started with doing commercials. So we can both agree, I think, that she's certainly in the mix these days. There's that YouTube ad that keeps coming up. You maybe know the name of the show. It's Supernatural in Nature with her in it. But she comes on and she says, the ghost effed my husband. And the guy spits out his drink. Oh, is and it's that? Like, we're it's sitting a, that's there a new the, show. We're sit, yeah, we're sitting there with the kids and I have to sit there and explain it. It catches me off guard every time. So, uh, listen, I, I love the ball. Then, really was only topped at that time by Seinfeld. The last season of Seinfeld, it wasn't as great as I thought. I thought Friends and had then, a slow ascension. It got better and better yeah. as it went along. But I, I know that's apples and oranges. Both great shows. Um, Carrie, you brought up some of these to me. You reminded me of my so-called life. Life, yeah. We know our heroine came from Party of Five. Mm -hmm. Dawson's Creek comes up yet again (laughs) in another episode. Charmed, yeah, Gilmore Girls. Girls. I mean, I'm not saying these are all directly tied to Scream, but you had this youth movement and those shows getting their movie start through horror. I know you mentioned Jennifer Aniston um, way back in the day, she was in one of the Leprechaun movies. No, the first Leprechaun the first, the movie. First. Oh yeah, I remember. Yeah. I remember somebody said something about Jennifer Aniston in front of a fan. But yes. Um, anyways, back then, the approach for Scream, and it, it's starting to come around again with Scream Five and now Scream Six. You pair mainstream top TV show talent. This today, and it's it's the top streaming shows with top young talent from Fox shows like Party of Five, with talent from WB shows, and slightly older talent that's resurging from their 80s work. See Jerry O'Connell and Laurie Metcalf in Scream 2. I mean, Roseanne was still kind of at the tail end when Laurie Metcalf got that role. More on Laurie Metcalf in Scream 2 later. Next segment, we're going to just very, very briefly touch on the movie-making highlights. Yes. Listen, when you're talking about Scream, it's Wes Craven, it's Wes Craven, it's Wes Craven. You've got the Dimension Films logo coming on with the phone ringing to start off each film. When you think of Wes Craven and you think of Scream, you immediately then the next name is Kevin Williamson. Carrie, you did a great job reminding me of what I, I completely forgot. I think since we had kids... There's so many things that I consumed as a teenager slash co-ed slash young adult that I honestly forgot about for a while. So 
What else has Kevin Williamson done? So he's been involved with The Following, as we previously mentioned, which I loved that show. I could have watched that show longer than it was on. I actually was upset that it ended. He was involved with Cursed. I want to talk about, you know, werewolf movie. Uh, Halloween H2O. That was very popular. The Faculty, again, with Our Generation. Another very popular movie. And then you have The Vampire Diary Show. And then you have Scream 1, 2, and 4 that he f- was involved with. The 4 is a little fuzzier. Okay, there's. I, I'm not going to get into Scream 4 now, but yeah, um, there were definitely uh, fellow horror hounds. If you go on the internet and look up Scream 4 writing and studio involvement, you know, we're, we don't go into um, drama here on DFM, but it is worth noting. Check it out. I, I'm sure a lot of you know about the ups and downs of the writers and the studio and whatnot. Yeah. There's a lot of history there. Um, it, great horror history education just if you look at Scream franchise alone. And then and then you have I Know What You Did Last Summer, which was written, it was actually based off a book written by Lois Duncan. I've, I've only read one of her books, and I always wished I had read more. I mean, the book The Third Eye, that was a great book. So I can only imagine. You are so much more aware that I am with the uh, with the literature. You are so much more cultured than I. We're gonna move on for a bit with regards to the movie making part of all this and the creative team. Scream 3, Aaron Kruger, there's some really passionate opinions and ponderings around the writing situation for Scream 3. <laughs> there's 20 plus years worth of online chatter Go through the internet's archives if you haven't. I know some of this popped up, again, as an issue for Scream 4. Original idea was in 3 that Stu was the mastermind. And, and sometimes the reality between verified content and credible sources and <laughs> threads on the internet from somebody's random thought become blurred. So I'm going to be careful with saying that, but I do recall... A lot of chat around Stu was the mastermind for Scream 3, was back in Woodsboro. Obviously, we all know that didn't happen. It went bigger. It went comedy. Uh, Because of this and coming out with three movies in, what, four years, the franchise at that point, come 2000-ish, 2001, it was starting to show some cracks. You know, I thought for sure, Carrie, given H2O, some of the other ones, we'd get a final, final part four. I remember that feeling of people walking away saying, It needs to go back to its roots and go darker. We were just waiting and waiting. Figured, I remember even in college we were talking about, there's got to be a screen for, this was like 2002, 2006. There's got to be. they got to be planning something. Yeah. Okay, we figured it would be like uh, from two to three. Like, oh, you know, there's going to be a three-year wait. Oh, four, oh, five. Even five years would have been. Yeah. Um, Or even there was chatter that's going to kick off a new trilogy. With, with new people, the next generation, a more brutal ghost based. I think a lot of damage was done in terms of trust between the studio and creators. You know, I think, and, I think there was some legal. Yeah, and again, horror was changing. It just, the slasher resurgence, it, it was gone. It faded by that point. I really, when thinking about this, I think up to 2005, there was a window for Scream 4 and it just never came to be. Everybody in the movie-making process, the creators moved on to other projects. Um, We entered the torture porn and remake era. Everybody's got strong feelings about all that. 
There's a place for it all here at DFM. Scream as it stood. With Scream 3, it was just getting too poppy, too Hollywood. And a lot of people would say for its own good. Wholeheartedly believe the Saw franchise was the visceral reaction to Scream 3 by horror creators. It said, no, we need to go back to our horror roots. At least from a brutality perspective. Uh, there was the idea of Tarantino and Rodriguez. They were really skyrocketing. And this idea of grindhouse and brutality was all coming back. People were starting to bring back the idea of exploitation and gore and goo. And you had Hostel, and, too. Of uh, what? Hostel. Hostel, yeah. We could really get into brutality yeah. and torture. That was all coming. Um, it, it really began. And, and that was the nail in the screen coffin. For a little while, not forever. Can't keep Scream down forever. We're now going to go on to the favorite poster elements out of the first three and give us a little bit of your reason why. Carrie, you kick off this section. Okay. Uh, for, first of all, the poster for Scream 1, I immediately noticed Rose McGowan character is missing from the poster. No way in this day, in this time, would she be not featured. No way in hell. Uh-uh. I mean, come on, fans. Let's see a poster, a fan poster featuring Tate and Riley. I'm sure it exists out there. I've, I haven't gone on the, the Google tool, uh, but it's got to yeah. exist. And then there's no Matthew Lillard. Now, was it because they weren't as big as other people? I don't know. But then you have Skeet Ulrich, who wasn't any bigger than either of them. And he was on it. So was there some kind of method to the madness on the poster and making you guess who was the killer? Because up until this point, you only had one killer and not two killers and for the most part. We, we have heard the creators of 5 and 6 mention that the marketing, it's, it's all a game. Look at the viral marketing. Look at the creative marketing for 5 and 6. Um, there is a poster just recently for 6 that was had all the characters and it was a guess who game. I, I mean, that was that's a classic game and that's... That game touches on all sorts of generations. So, Carrie, let's move on to yeah. Scream 2. So, with Scream 2, they put one of the opening kills on it again. Do you recall people being worried for Jada because everybody knew Drew was on the first poster and then she survived not even 30 minutes into the movie? Correct me if I'm wrong, but I would say about 30 minutes, right? Yeah, somewhere between 10 to 30 minutes. Not, yeah. I don't think 30 minutes. I but it was anyways, in that range. Um, there's other people not on yeah. that poster. Yeah, Leif uh, Schreiber and Jamie Kennedy. Now, again, that's in retrospect. Now, Jamie Kennedy, you would have thought from the first movie. Should have been. Should have been on there. Leif, Leif Schreiber, I could see maybe. Why not? Okay. So, any other retrospective thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, really, Joel the cameraman, he was in that movie a lot. <laughs> And he was, he played, you know, a lot of comedy in that along with Randy. So. Okay, okay moving on to Scream 3. It looks like they all could be final survivors because it says, welcome to the final act. You have the two Gales, the real Gale, and then you have the Gale actress. Okay. I'm going to just move on to my thoughts because you brought up some good points and I, I don't want to get off track. I'm going to, I'm going to stay on point here. So Scream 1 poster before ever seeing the movie. You figure that Drew Barrymore is going to be a lead or a top supporting character. Scream 2. Joel the cameraman. I always thought, given how smart his character is, that he should be on here. 
I, I agree with you. I mean, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Here's a scenario I had in my head as I was thinking about the Scream 2 poster. Wouldn't it be hilarious as if, as Gail, this is now we're present day Scream 5 and 6, Gail is making her way up the TV host ranks. Joel ends up being her like producer slash boss, telling her to dive first into danger to get a scoop on something. To me, that would just be the greatest kind of table turning moment. She really nudged Kenny in the first one to his death. Poor Kenny. Poor Kenny. Um, we can't for R.I.P. Kenny. I, I think that they should have... I thought there was even rumors that they were going to bring that actor back, yeah. Joel. And I thought, he's got to be her boss. It's got to be like, uh-huh, now who doesn't want to go into danger? Anyways, yep. this poster, I'm looking at it. This poster says, we've upped our game. We're a franchise. It's edgier looking. The face is compared to the first one. They have more attitude. It's even got the streaks. Ugh. Dewey comments about the streaks and Gail's hair. It says we're back for more. I wish also, you mentioned Jada. Scream 3. When I look at this poster, I'm the most confused in terms of the casting choice for the poster. Is Was that just go with in the moment billing? And when I ask that, does that mean... Right before they made that poster, they decided, okay, who's got what shows and what are the ratings and that's who we're going to put on there. I mean, the big three, Neve, Courtney, David, no. they, they've got to be on there at that point. Okay, we're entering part three with huge anticipation. It, it also could have been a contract, like part of their contract. Good point, good point. So who are the stars after part two? It's the big three in the end. Are one of them finally going to not survive? Dewey escapes twice now. So you have to continue to feature them in the final chapter, but the stakes are supposed to be even bigger. If Randy survives, let's talk about that scenario. Jamie Kennedy is on that poster before any one of the actors or actresses playing the stab characters. Okay, could you argue at that point in time, Patrick Dempsey <laughs> should have been on it? Like, let's say we get back to Sydney and Kincaid and Scream 7. Do we feature Patrick Dempsey at that point in time? I don't know. That's like a two-part question. I, I don't know because he, I think if anything, he should have been featured on a, a different poster. You mean an alternate poster? Yeah. Were they even doing alternate posters back Not then? Not back it was then. like, here's the movie poster. We might slightly change it for the VHS or, yeah, the DVD cover. This thing scream. Yeah. Moving on. Does that, are we just done marketing to our generation with Scream? That's a really big question. If you're an older Scream fan... Are we done marketing? Now, there's a lot of talk, and we'll talk more about this in our future episode when we go to see Scream 6. You know, Sydney's not involved. What, yeah, Sydney. Neve is not involved. Sydney's not in it. But there's still just as much, if not more, anticipation, at least in my mind and what I'm seeing on the online chatter. At 6, then there was 5. It feels like we're entering Scream 2. I've got that same feeling, folks, of, wow. That was a great, great slasher. It appeals to the mainstream horror fans. Um, if you love slashers and you're a horror hound, it appeals to you too. Maybe not. I think there's some people out there that after the first one, that's it. I'm done. You know, the other ones were starting to get too mainstream or too tropey, um, too cliche, and it's overdone. I feel like Patrick Dempsey is on there. 
on the Scream 7 poster, if my hunch is correct, and again, I know nothing, folks. I, I have no spoilers from Anon or anything like that. I don't think two of the young guns make it in Scream 6. I think one of the Meeks kids, I think yeah. Sam or, or Tara, excuse me. I think we're going to have more room for Patrick. Now, last episode, it was Jocelyn Donnie who was my crush. Apparently, this episode, it's Patrick Dempsey. It's you McDreamy. You can't go wrong with McDreamy. So what does it say that I want a hamburger every time I hear the phrase McDreamy? Subliminal. I don't know. That's pretty overt. So, Carrie, I'm going to have you lead off the next portion. Favorite character that isn't the lead? Well, for Scream 1, for me, the whole way around, it's Tatum Riley, played by Rose McGowan. I loved how she was smart. She was funny. She was kind of really just quick-witted. And she wasn't mean, but she was definitely quick-witted. And then for 2... It's just, it's a toss up for me, you know, between Derek the Boyfriend, played by Jerry O'Connell. I have to go with Dewey Riley, played by David Arquette. And I know he's one of the main big three, but that's why Derek is my backup. Okay, fair enough. And then for the third movie, uh, Gail Courtney. Um, again, she's technically a lead, but my backup is Patrick Dempsey. I mean, Courtney and David are leads for for the most part, but yet we're all thinking Sydney's the main heroine, right? So she's the main and they're like the next leads after her at this yeah. point. When, when Scream 3 comes along, that's when people start thinking of it as the big three. Okay? Yeah. Went from just, you know, the supporting, main supporting, that they're all three leads. Um, and it does start shifting from being just about Sydney to them as a group surviving multiple, multiple yeah. times. Well, and then you have you have the commonality between them, not just surviving, but you have the connection, especially for Sydney and uh, Dewey, between Tatum. Yeah. Um, I'm going to dive right into mine. My favorite character that isn't the lead, Scream 1, um, this is going to be easy, folks, Randy Meeks, Jamie Kennedy, I love his YouTube channel, by the way, people. It is a lot of insider highlights. Check it out. Scream 2, Randy Meeks again, played by Jamie Kennedy. You could argue in the first three movies that Randy Meeks is the D'Artagnan of the group. He's the fourth musketeer. Okay? Any one of the big three go down, he would have been the next as part of the trio there. Scream 3. <laughs> hey, listen, it's my Patrick Dempsey episode. Uh, or my backup is Lance Hendrickson. Shout out to Jane Silent Bob for a hot minute. And oh, by the way, shout out to Wes Craven making an appearance just like he usually does in these films. We're going to cut right to the next segment, Carrie. We're going to keep yeah. going. Favorite red herring. This has got to be one of the top subjects when it comes to Scream and characters. And and for Scream, it always was a guessing game. Who are the yeah, killers? It's a, it's a whodunit, absolutely. It's, it's a whodunit slasher. Okay, Scream 1. Honestly, this is such a weird one when I think about it, but I remember when I was in junior high and I saw this movie, The Sheriff. And I'm only saying that because of this memory. 
I was fixated on the boots. And scream one, boots in the school bathroom. Sheriff boots, Billy boots, honorable mention, by the way, to Billy for being both a red herring and one of the two killers. Scream two, red herring. I think this one's easy. It's Derek. I, I think Derek's the best red herring in Scream two. He's the most utilized red herring. I never saw her roommate, Hallie, as a red herring. I don't know why, and we all know there was the alternate script where Derek and Hallie were the killers. Okay, that they originally were going to do that, and then they changed it. And I actually saw the ending clip, the alternate ending clip, and I'm so glad that they didn't go that way. But again, that's just my opinion. Everybody else, let us know. Who do you wish uh, were the killers from Scream 2? Debbie Salt? No. I mean... Lori Metcalf, a.k.a. Billy's mom. No, she was a blip. You know, when I saw her, I was like, oh, you know, it's Aunt Jackie. Um, I never gave Mickey a second thought, and I don't know why. But in retrospect, and looking back, why well, I keep saying retrospect, looking back, it's really obvious, actually. It, but then you have, from the first movie, you have Brandy. I mean, the fact that if, you know, everybody, Randy says, if I'm a suspect, everybody's yeah, a suspect. Yeah, anti-Randy. Yeah. yeah. Scream 3, moving on right along. Patrick Dempsey. His facial expression in this movie is what sold me. It felt like a Debbie Salt type character. Wait, you know, you're thinking he's just in it enough. He's acting a little suspicious with the eye movements. He even makes that evil looking glare at Sydney at the mansion at the end. Uh, Patrick Dempsey doesn't get enough credit for his red herring performance. And I just thought, okay, are they gonna go with like the the reverse of Dewey? You know, you've got a lovable Dewey and now they're gonna have, hmm, I've got some thoughts about Scream 6 and law enforcement. Let's think on that one for future episode here. Um, Carrie, I'm moving right along to your red herrings, go. Well, for Scream 1, as I was just saying, Randy, being the movie buff, establishing the rules he's really into it and at the end he and Stu come knocking at the door yelling to be let in both pointing at each other he did it he did it she, you know she doesn't know who to believe that's a good one uh for now i'm gonna move right along screen two derek yeah the the incident at the party where he gets his arm sliced i mean he's going to school to be a doctor if anybody would anybody would know where to cut it would be him you know, the cops interrogating him, just like Billy in, in one. And then you have, at the end, Mickey saying he was in on it. They definitely played the boyfriend thing until his unfortunate demise, which confirmed, sadly, that Sydney could have trusted him. That's actually a really gut-wrenching moment. I, I actually felt, I'm probably romanticizing this memory, but I do remember it did feel like a gut punch. Yeah. It, it definitely did. Um, and then for three, Lance, Lance Henriksen. I mean, he plays the old movie maker, you know, mogul. And then you have, of course, you know, Putty from Seinfeld. Yeah, that's right. He coined the phrase, <laughs> do drop. The do drop. The do drop. Um, you just stay over there, do drop, or something like that. I mean, he had access to a lot of the characters, to the trailers. He, he actually had a great death. And until his death... He was a, a red herring. That's what's great about Scream. People look at it. They watch it. They've got their own perspective, their own opinions. 
that's what I love about all horror movies. Like, I never would have looked at Putty. I never would have looked at that character and thought Red Herring, but you did. And I never thought about him having so much access to people and locations. Um, we're moving right along, folks, to favorite death and effects. So, for Scream 1, for me, it's Stu. And I know that death is still up for debate. Is it, though? Could you, could you really survive a TV that heavy falling on your head? That's I mean, heft, yeah. I mean, come on. They maybe thought, oh, maybe he survived because they were planning, you know, Stu behind bar. But, yeah, he got obliterated. I mean, the sound of him getting juiced while his head is crushed, it was awesome. Plus, he was bleeding out from Billy, sticking him too hard. You know, Matthew Lillard, he gave a great performance at the end. And just, you know, the one comment thing I'm thinking of is where he says, oh, I'm far too sensitive. And then that's a whole other topic. And then he says, my mom's going to kill me. He is absolutely... Matthew Lillard... Um... First of all, everybody in these movies, and we're not giving them their credit, but Matthew Lillard is so manic and bouncing off the wall. Even think about his interactions with Tatum in, in the school hallways, walking home after Principal Henry excuses them for, for the curfew. Um, I have to just say my favorite line from Stu is you hit me with the phone, dick. I, I can't help myself. I've got to say it every time I see that movie. So Scream 2, what about your favorite death and effects there? Jada. And I know this is the beginning of the movie, but, I mean, all those people at the theater, they assumed it was just a stunt, and she didn't even want to be, be there. The way she just screams out, you can see even her eyes are just screaming. It was just an excellent performance. The way she collapses and just looks straight at you, the audience, before it cuts to the Scream 2 title, the opening theater kill, for me, it just set the tone. I'm going to tick some people off. I like the opening kill for 2 better than the first movie's opening kill. Okay, I'm just going to let that hang while you move on to Scream 3. Yeah. Um, so, for me, Scream 3... <laughs> <laughs> and I'm laughing at this even as I'm saying this. Parker Posey, you know, the fake Gale um, for the stab movies. You know, the rewrites in real time. She can't help herself in continuing to read the script. She, you know, she's, her mimicking of the real Gale is hilarious the whole movie. The <laughs> whole way, you know, my Gale versus real Gale and the pull on Dewey. Yeah. I mean, he's just looking like, what do I do here? I don't know. Uh, you know, and then the stab Gale actually yeah. gives the real Gale some pointers. I and knew she, where you were going with that as soon as you started saying She that. helps her get through security with her pass to yep. help with the investigation rather than like trying to break in. I think I saw in the Scream teaser, or, uh, excuse me, Scream 6 teaser, the full trailer, there was a nod to that card moment from screen three i think go ahead and that that's pretty much it i mean okay. she, you know of course right there i mean it's just and then just blowing up so my favorites scream one 
Stu is an awesome choice. Um, and even back then, Randy comments about Stu, I think, being Billy's lapdog. Um, you know, there's something else there to be said the way Stu follows Billy and his orders. Stu says peer pressure or something like that. He's far too sensitive. There's something there with that dynamic. So be that as it may, I'm going with Principal Henry Henry. Oh, my Lanta. I'm going with Principal Henry, Henry Winkler. The Fonz gets it in school. And then we hear from background characters at the party later on that he was strung up on the football field. I wish they would have shown a shot where you just see Henry Winkler completely gutted like Casey Becker. So in Scream 4, there's a neat little callback. They've got the bust of Henry in Woodsbury. Woodsbury. Woodsboro High Hallway. Help me, people. This is not Woodsbury. Yes. Um, what, what, what is that? Walking Dead? No. What? Well, yeah, it is Walking Dead. The Gover, Woodbury. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Um, so, oh my gosh. <laughs> We're off topic Great. yet again. <laughs> Listen, I'm trying, people. I'm trying. Uh, I don't think our next time having beer is going to make me a better talker. Uh, there's great tension in the Henry Winkler death. The reflection of Ghostface in Winkler's eyes. That was the last thing that our dear administrator saw. Scream 2. I'm going to make a point with this selection. Nobody talks about these two guys. Okay? Officer Andrews' character, and more importantly, Officer Richards, in the car, great scene, his head gets impaled by the pole. Excellent action moment in a horror film. Scream fans have been dying for more high-stake chases. And the tension right after the crash with Sydney and, and Hallie in the car, climbing out of the backseat and over the killer to get out. Tension. Um, you're going to hear more from me in my Scream 2 rating later, but let me say this. I believe Scream 2 has the best chase sequences and highest tension out of all the films. I could go just with the fake out death here. Um, you know, Gale and Dewey in the film building. Yeah. Um, the chase through the studios. We think Dewey finally gets it right. But but I'm, I'm going back. Yeah, when she's in that sound booth. Yeah. I'm going back to Officer Andrews and Officer Richards. That's my favorite effect. I mean, you could see his head, like the nerves twitching in his head when the you know after he's already done the pulls, just gouged out of the. And then the girls having to climb out. Like they're like ew, you know. Um, There's some kind of funny quip on there that the Halle character says, like I don't think he's doing okay or he's not okay. Somebody says something there. Scream three, the opening, right out of the gate, Cotton Weary, my favorite death out of that entire movie that's my favorite kill cotton finally has his moment of fame he's got his hundred percent cotton show he's got his girlfriend he finally has someone that is a little kinky with the stab games she thinks the actual killer uh in a moment is cotton he's just taking their sexy role playing uh time just a little too far so cotton apparently liked the idea of dressing up as ghost face i don't know 
um, as a way to deal with him being falsely accused. Is that why they alluded to all that? Or I mean, they were, it was pretty overt, actually. I don't know. There's something... Did the killer know that? I don't know. That's a really good point. Do you think he would have took Debbie Salt up on her offer um, if Sydney didn't agree at the end of two to give him a deal to start marketing together? I think he thought about it for five seconds, but then he, I think he felt redeeming himself would be that a better if version. You, dear listener, if you go back... And just, if you can, I know this is a big ask, go back and watch Scream 1, 2, and 3. Specifically look at everybody's eyes during each interaction. There's so much acting going on with everybody's eyes in these movies. It's, it's a point that does not get brought up that often. So I'm going straight to Scream soundtracks now. Oh, this is a hard one. Especially, I mean, with the first movie, you... You know, for one of my favorites, and this is just one, Don't Fear the Reaper. I mean, it was a very slow MTV unplugged version. You noticed that right away. It, it took me years. I never paid attention to the low volume acoustic stuff. I was just like, oh, sweet, low music, because Billy wants to have dry hump time. Yeah, no, I mean, those were the height of, you know, MTV unplugged. So for me, I picked up on that right away. But then you have Red Right Hand. Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Uh, that's got to be the one for me out of the entire soundtrack because of... Because first of all, Nick Cave is... That guy's a lot of fun. Um, he just seems to be the guy that should be doing horror movie soundtracks. I don't know what kind of comparison I can make. It's almost like in a way this song, like, can you imagine Johnny Cash singing Red Right Hand? I can. Not, not, not listen, not the listen, same. I not like the, same. the original Nick Cave version. Not the same. Not the same, but it's that type of vibe, okay? It's like they're cut from the same mindset I when think they the write voice. songs. It's and, the voice. Yes. So, yeah, that's the one for me. And then uh, Hembry, you know, let's not forget about this. When he lets them out for early curfew, the school and the police, of course, they want them all locked inside. Uh, you know, what do the stupid teens do instead? They, they throw lock-in parties. You know, school's out. You know, yeah. it's not the original, but it works. Yeah. It I, works very much. It says a lot. I agree. And, you know, it's great timing with that music. Um Youth of America is another one. Just to piggyback off of that, you see them partying it up. And like Dewey says at this point, Woodsboro is like the town that dreaded sundown. The song was like, God help them, how dumb. Caution to the wind, they all think that they're invincible. Those are the feelings I got when I see them get starting to gather at the party and they're all flying, coming up in the party in their cars. Um, they just think that that's not going to happen to them, even though it's happened to one of their classmates and friends, even though it's happening, you know, in their town. But at um, that point, they don't know the connection. Yeah, they don't know the killer's right there with them. Yeah. One of them anyways, and then the other one arrives later. Anyways, we're going to go right into reaction and rating. Um, and compared to other slashers during the resurgence. Okay, so we're going to rate 
Scream 1, 2, and 3. Each of us give an overall DFM rating. But guys, this, we're not just talking about Screamer. We're talking about the overall slasher resurgence. So we're going to give some overall DFM ratings um, to some other movies during this time period in horror. So Scream 1, I'm giving a 4 flamethrowers out of 5. Okay? We all know where Scream is, okay, in the history of horror. It's up there. I mentioned the opening kill in Scream 2, folks. I'm giving Scream 2 a 4.5 out of 5 flamethrowers. And yes, I just rated Scream 2 higher than Scream 1 and higher than what I did in the first episodes with The Thing or The House of the Devil. And I want to note that doesn't mean I think Scream 2 is better than The Thing or House of the Devil. And, and even if I did, that's okay. Or if you guys, that's more, there's probably some mainstream um, people out there thinking, well, you know, of course Scream, and that's my favorite slasher. Um, and, and we want to talk to those people too because they've got some really good insights. We want more horror hounds, so everybody's welcome here. Okay? No gatekeeping. This is really my thoughts. I'm rating this because I'm looking at the decade of the slasher resurgence. 4.5 out of 5. Scream 3. Like it, don't love it. It's not as rewatchable as the first two for me. You know, sometimes you just gotta watch, you gotta do the whole marathon of the original trilogy. It, it's it's fun, it's flawed, I will, it is highly rewatchable. Um, just got a little too Scooby-Doo-ish and horror comedy for my liking. It felt like Kevin Smith directed parts of it. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but you know, it was leaning heavily into the comedy at that point. Yeah, and for me, Scream 1, I did four out of five flamethrowers. So we're right on the, the same par as far as Scream 1. Uh, Scream 2, now I did 3.5. I, I enjoyed the movie. I like to watch the movie. There's some parts I do enjoy better, but overall, it's a 3.5 for me. Okay. And then uh, Scream 3, it's a 3 out of 5. So we're in agreement on Scream 3. Out of the yeah. original trilogy, it's our least favorite. We, we like it. It's got its flaws, but it, it's, it has its place. Yeah. Okay, folks. So that brings the overall DFM rating of Scream 1 to 4 out of 5 flamethrowers. Scream 2, official DFM rating. Four out of five flamethrowers. Scream 3, you already know, three out of five flamethrowers. The original Scream trilogy, okay, lies somewhere between a three and a half and a four. Um, and really, when you were back then in 2000, you thought it was just over. The, it was either that, okay, they wrapped up a trilogy, or I wonder if they want to go more brutal. Um, now we're going to go to other DFM overall slasher resurgence ratings. Okay, Carrie, I'll do a couple, then you okay. read, read a couple. Sure. I made a point earlier, folks. It didn't start for me with Scream. It started two years before with the man himself, New Nightmare, 3.75 out of 5 flamethrowers. This is New Nightmare is the godfather of the slasher resurgence. Resurgence. Resurgent. Um, Wes Craven is back 
as of the new nightmare. H2O. You reminded me of this. I don't know why I forgot because I actually think it's really fun. I, it's highly entertaining. So three and a half flamethrowers out of five. Um, that movie, that, that was Kevin Williamson in that movie. It was very scream in spirit, focused on a young cast mixed with legacy. You had the ultimate scream queen. I don't even need a name dropper with Kevin Williamson. <laughs> we both chuckled when we thought about this movie and for the same reason LL Cool J writing his erotic romance novel in his guard booth. Michelle Williams, Josh Hartnett. You cannot forget in the opening, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Carrie, you reminded me. Yeah, Janet Lee. Janet Lee. I mean, you I want mean, to talk about, you want to talk about Scream Queen? Yeah. She, you know, she. <laughs> that I, goes without saying. If I was reviewing this in 1998, I would have given it a five instead of a three and a half. Okay, but it's it's very very good uh, according to DFM. Um, I know what you did last summer, part one. Fun. It's got its flaws. It's a half a step below. For me, it's a three out of five flamethrowers. It's another franchise that tries their hand at their own final girl. Now, listen, I just heard there's some kind of legacy sequel, requel coming out with I Know What You Did. Is Freddie Prinze and Jennifer Love Hewitt in it? I think that's a question I think, mark. I think that's. I think they're I think trying to work mark. out the okay. contracts. Did you read about it? I didn't read that much about it. Okay, so anyways, moving on. I Know What You Did last summer, part two. You know what I just recalled? Who's in that? Jack Black. He's in it. That's okay. Right. Okay. Two point seven five out of five flamethrowers. It's not our cup of tea. It's got a lot of flaws. We think. Um, and listen, whorehounds. I think somebody, maybe us, needs to do an episode about horror movies in a tropical or vacation setting. But uh, actually, wait, no, no, no. We're gonna have. A whole horror at the beach month. And what did I call it? Beachside Bonfires and Blood Month, I think it was, or something like that. Anyways, all alliteration aside, I'm gonna be quiet. Carrie, you finish out, would okay. you please? Sure. Absolutely. The rest of the slasher resurgence. Okay. Readings. So you have Urban Legend, and that's three out of five flamethrowers for us. Uh, what we consider to be the best of the rest of the slasher resurgence. You know, more Dawson's Creek. No. <laughs> it all goes back to Dawson's Creek. <laughs> but thankfully, in Urban Legend, I get to see Pacey hang. <laughs> listen, I love Joshua Jackson, truth be told. Okay, so it's, listen, I don't, I don't really hate Dawson's Creek, all right? You um, know you watched it. You know you did. I'm not going to lie, I was probably incentivized to watch it by my ex-girlfriend, well, not ex-girlfriend, obviously. Um, okay, so what about the next one, Carrie? What's so, the next one? Halloween Resurrection, and that's a two out of five flamethrowers. You know, just when you thought Halloween 5 couldn't be topped for any worse of the franchise, you have this movie. And again, folks, this is all subjective. We Halloween 5 has a place in our horror movie we, rotation. We love all movies. Yes, absolutely. So when I use words or carry use words like worst, that's in comparison to the other ones we also love. Yes. So let's not let's not misrepresent ourselves. We we love just about everything. It's hard for us to dislike something. So yes. what's the next one, Carrie? This one's hilarious. Jason X, <laughs> which is a 2.75, which is 
higher than Halloween Resurrection. Oh, I think it's because you've got the the. I can't. What's I'm lost for words. Yeah, the so bad. It's so bad. It's good. Um, and I think it gets more entertaining with age. Can you imagine seeing this at the drive-in? Yeah, I could. It definitely has that feeling, that drive-in feeling. Okay, last sure. last rating. Freddy versus Jason, and I know a lot of people. This was highly anticipated back in the day. Uh, Two point five out of five flamethrowers. Just it was, you know, okay. Wish that there was more connection to Jason Goes to Hell a bit more, which a lot of people love that. Um, a lot of people don't like it either, though. That's true. I've always said it felt like, and I think it's just the early to mid '90s vibe it had. It felt like it felt like a Halloween special of Roseanne for me. I just don't know why I've always said that, and that's not a bad thing. I actually think it's a solid, solid movie. Anyways, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, the flashback elements were cool. Uh, left us with hope and prayer for, you know, Michael Myers. Or can you imagine if, you know, from Ash from the Evil Dead would show up? Yeah, and I think there's some reading material out there, some comics where they do have Ash mixing it up with Jason. Ooh. Now that, that's a movie I want to see. Yeah. Well, I, it's like I told you with the Big Trouble in Little China, Old Man Jack comment, uh, comments. Jeez. Comics. You gotta stop it. You've gotta go check out some of the graphic novels. I agree with you on the Ash. Anything with Ash, just insert Ash. I, I love Ash. I love that character. Okay, folks. Um, that wraps it up for our first segment. Um, the first part of episode three, as we anticipate, it's coming. Uh, we've only got about a month now uh, of the time of this recording. Till opening weekend of Scream 6. Next episode, episode 4, we're going to switch the format up a bit again as we discuss Scream 4 and Scream 5. A question for our listeners. We're going to answer in episode 4. Who would you cast if the first three Screams were made in the 80s and we sat there way too long the other night <laughs> Having a discussion with the Midnight Traveler. And why you chose that specific actor or actress. <laughs> I can't help. And I'm just going to... It's a little mini eensy spoiler for episode four. Let's just say this, folks. If the Midnight Traveler and Carrie and I had our way... <laughs> Andrew McCarthy and James Spader would be battling across movie genres. <laughs> okay, that's all I'm going to say. So, um, friendly reminder, guys. Uh, these condensed episodes, and it's not feeling so condensed right now, Terry. And that's okay because We're trying. we, we want to get out as much free content as we can. Condensed episodes of DFM are distributed via RSS to Spotify Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. If you'd like to support us, learn a little bit more about the DFM plans, um, visit patreon.com slash dyingformidnight. Um, again, I, I mentioned a little bit earlier, briefly, at DFM, we don't play geek, geek keeper. We are a geek keeper. We're all geeks in a way, so let's all be geek keepers. We'll keep each other. Um, we welcome all horror hounds, no gatekeeping, with all sorts of tastes in horror flicks. DFM, Carrie and I, we want to create a warm, comfy atmosphere where all views and opinions are cherished. Um, 
If you go over there, we, we've mentioned this in the first two episodes, but there's been a slight change. Become a goblin, howler, or monster hunter supporter, we've added a fourth tier, the specter tier. And we've had some of our nearest and dearest convince us to start adding merch right out of the gate. So we're gonna have some stickers, we're gonna have four t-shirts for our Spectre loyalty tier. Carrie, anything else you wanna add yeah. at the end? Feel free to reach us at our pet werewolf at dfmmelwolf at gmail.com. Send us an email, we wanna hear from you. Yep, again, intermission time. We hope you stick around for Carrie's segment two, horror, etc., where she covers watching scary movies at sleepovers. Talk to you later, folks. Good evening. It's intermission time. And during the next 10 minutes, we invite you to visit our refreshment stand located in the center of the drive-in. Our service is friendly and quick. You'll find hot dogs, hamburgers, pizza, your favorite candies, hot and cold beverages, and other delicious snacks. So add to your fun of watching the movie. Visit our refreshment stand right now during our 10-minute intermission. We're glad to have you with us tonight, and we hope you'll come to see us often. It's great to get out to the movie.